right, we're in the series that we do every year called What's Next. It's a foundation series that really we cover what are the four core promises that God gives us. And it's what we base everything we do here at Believers on. If you're visiting with us on the way in, um, you see four big squares. And one of it says, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And those things represent these four major promises that God has, that God has made to us. And he made it to the Israelites in the Old Testament. And it's still for us today. That in Exodus chapter 6, if you want to go back and read Exodus chapter 6, I think it's 6 through 9. God says, I will four times. And he tells them, basically, I'm going to get you out of Egypt. I'm going to get the Egypt out of you. I'm going to show you your purpose and put you back to your, why I created you. And then we're going to go change the world together. Those are the four, four steps, the four promises he made them. And the reason it's important is because for this, that when you understand our why, meaning us as a church, then you're going to understand the what and the how. Because everything we do, we try to be intentional. It's not just haphazard. Every now and then we will try to just throw the spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. But for the most part, we really try to, to seek God, to find out, okay, God, what's the best way to reach our community? What's the best way to love and serve the people and the family at Believer's Church as we're obviously growing, as we're needing to expand? This, just this month, we opened up a new uh, one-year-old room in the nursery because we're just we're growing and we need the space, but all of that needs to be intentional. You see, God has a very set few things that he's wanting and a, a progression. And that's what we call our one steps. We, we follow these things. And it looks, I gave you this last week, but just as a review, I'll give it to you again. God wants lost people saved. His highest and primary, this, this promise stands alone from the rest. You can't add to it. You can't do anything to earn it. But God wants the people who don't know him to know God. He wants people saved. Then he wants to save people pastored. He wants the people who now they're saved, now he begins to bring them freedom. He begins to heal them of their past. He begins to heal wounds and hurts, makes them whole. Then he wants pastored people trained. Now that we've got you free, now we're going to show you your purpose, help you find out why God put you on this earth to be a part of something bigger than just yourself. And then he wants trained people mobilized. This is, where the, this is the great commission where God says, go out into all the earth and teach people who I am. Show people who I am. Let your life demonstrate to them who I am. And in a nutshell, that's what we do at Believers. That's, that's our, our goal is to go out there and show people how good God is. Even when we don't feel it, think it, even when we can't understand it. That the Bible says God wants every man to be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 3 says this, that this is good and it pleases God, our Savior. Well, what does? He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. See, God's not out to hide from you. God's not out to make you jump through hoops. The Bible is very clear. If you believe Jesus is who he says he is, did what he said he would do, and you repent, say, God, I'm sorry, then you're saved. Salvation is yours. It's a promise that stands all on its own. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about knowing God. The promise he made in Exodus chapter 6, he said, I'm going to bring you out. We talked about this last week, and I had some comments that told me that I could say the word poop. So today, I'm going to say the word poop, right? See, we're all born. We're standing in this mess. The cow patty, the poop, right, Corey? The poop. 
Okay. And we're all there. And if you don't know, everybody's poop stinks, right? We all got issues. So God said to his people, listen, I, there's no, I can't change you. I'm not going to do anything with you until you make a decision to let me get you out. So he picks us up, moves us over, and gets us out. For the Israelites and Egypt, he said, I've got to get you out. And that's the promise of salvation. And this is, again, I said this last week and I'll say it again. If you really want to see me get upset and righteous anger as a pastor, then let me find somebody telling somebody who doesn't know God that there's an extra step, that they have to get their life right, they have to clean up, they have to stop cussing, stop smoking, stop drinking, stop all this stuff, do, do all this stuff, and then you can come to church. Baloney. Bring all your stuff with you. That we're, we're a house that when you walk in, we are going to stink. We all got issues. We all carry things with us. Even those of us who've been saved for a very long time still get a little ripe every now and then and still go, I gotta help. God's got to help me with that. And that's what we find when we move into finding freedom. But you need to know this. You need to say this to yourself. I can't get myself right to know God. There's nothing you can do. You can hug every tree. You can work at every nonprofit. You can give every dime you have away. You can give every dime you have away to the church. And it doesn't save you. You could show up 52 times a year every Sunday and then show up extra during the week just for fun. And it's still not going to save you. We'll be glad to have you and come hang out with us. But it's not going to save you. But what you need to say is, I can, though. I can know God, and he can make me right. Amen. Right? Amen. And that ought to help some of us relax. Because I can feel the tension sometimes when we come in. Like, I, I shouldn't be here. I'm not, you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I said last night. You don't know the thoughts I have. No, I don't, but he does. And he still says, come on. Because you can't do anything to save it. But the Bible says, I can know God, and he can make me right. And it's a process. The salva I'll say this. Salvation is instant. When you say, I received Jesus, your, your eternity is secure. And then the process comes, we'll talk about next week, in finding freedom. Now I still smell like the poo I was standing in. Now God says, okay, now here's how we begin to get life right. Here's how you read your Bible. You pray. You show up at church. You get in the grow group. And guess what? When you go to grow group, they're all going to have their own stinks too. And then you're going to do life together. Well, how did you get that stink off you? Well, this is what I did, and this is how God used me. Well, what did you do? Okay, what? Well, and we begin to do life together. But see, when you don't, God's greatest desire to know you doesn't happen. His greatest desire to have a relationship with you doesn't happen when you try to do it yourself. And what the devil does is he keeps you saying this. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I want you to mentally make note, have you felt this way? that I feel stuck. I feel trapped, right? Like, God, I, I, I've tried and tried and tried. I've told people many times, if you want to leave here today and go back out there and try it yourself, do it yourself, I can make myself righteous, I can handle life by myself, go ahead. But what's going to happen is you're going to come right back around. And you'll go right, the Bible says the Israelites went around and around the mountain until they just decided, I'm done. I can't do this. They felt stuck. They became a slave, or we became, we become slaves to our habits. We become slaves, the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians, but we become slaves because we try to fix ourselves. Because now we're a slave to habits, we're a slave to fear, 
the things that I'm afraid of control me. I don't go here. I don't say this. I can't go there. There's some of you, maybe you feel like I can't go to church today because I'm, I'm afraid. Or maybe it's some other, you're slave to an emotion that says they, they won't like me. They won't receive me. They hate me. I went to that church and they hated me. They wouldn't love me. Well, if that happens to you here, you come find me. And me and you and whoever told you that will go out back to the woodshed and we'll, we'll, we'll correct the situation. Because it's not about liking you. The Bible says I'm to love you. Right. Now, if we're going to be real, are there people in, this, in the world that I really don't like? You better believe it. The good thing is I don't have to go have coffee with them. I don't have to hang out with them. But in the world, when they show up in my face, the Bible says I do have to love them. So we're guided by these emotions. Some of you and live this way. You're a slave to debt. You gotta, you've made purchases. Anybody made a purchase they now wish they could give back? Yeah. You know, and in, in 2052, you'll have it paid off for a low, low price of $10 a month, right? <laughs> and you don't even own it anymore because by then it's gone. We, we put ourselves in positions where we have to fix these things and we become a slave to it. In today's world, with Instagram and TikTok and all this other social media, we become a slave to two things. One, to hurts, because we put ourselves out there and expect people to treat us a certain way and we get hurt. But then we become a slave to self-image. I have to keep this image up. Well, I can't go to church. They're gonna, people are going to think I'm just too good, you know, goody two-shoes. Well, so what? But we become trapped. It keeps us from... Be, from Letting God save us and knowing God because we become loyal to those things. We let it rule us. See, the devil gets us thinking that this stuff is okay and it gives me a sense of belonging. Because what naturally happens in life? All the people who are trapped and, and stuck in this mess, they all congregate together. Then all the people who maybe you're in debt and they congregate here. And then all these, we, you find like-minded people and we become part of this group that God said, I never intended you to be a part of that. See, the Bible says in John chapter 8, John writes that Jesus replies, this is Jesus talking, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins, you're a slave to it. And you need to let me get you free. And the way you get free is you first have to know me. You have to know God. God's will and plan was that he that we freely have a relationship with him. It goes on in the second verse is, now a slave has no permanent place in the family. This is what I tell uh, parents that got teenagers. You can tell your teenagers this, because we, 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 they hook themselves to things that are not of God. They become a slave to it. And then what happens when the trends change? Do they love and care for and bring your teenager along with them? No. What do they do? You're not changing with us. You're not going to change with the world. Then you're no longer cool and you're not in our group. My daughter would term it, they erased me from the group, the group chat. And every teenager just looked up. Why? Because they know exactly what that feels like to have a group chat and go, uh, my name, I, I, didn't get, I didn't get that. Yeah, because one person in there decided you weren't valuable enough and they deleted you. Because we become a slave to this. But look what the Bible says. But go back to that verse. It says, but a son belongs forever. A daughter belongs forever. That once you're in with God, he doesn't say, okay, well now, if you don't do this, I'm just not going to love you anymore. He says, now we begin to work. Now we begin to change. See, Pharaoh kept the Israelites 
feeling trapped. He kept them feeling as they had no value. And we say this, I have, I have no value. And what the devil does is if he gets you to say, I have no value, the devil then keeps you from your purpose. Because if I have no value, I have no purpose. If I have no purpose, I got nothing going on. I just can, I'm just going to suffer through it. Because here's what's truth. That when I question my value, am I worth anything to God? You're questioning your potential. God didn't create you with no value, and he created everybody with potential. You're on this earth for a reason. You have a created purpose. And when you're trying to figure this out on your own and trying to do it on your own, the problem comes, let me say it this way. I'll just tell you this. For years, and I'm talking many years, many years ago, but for years, the devil had convinced me that I would never, ever be able to do what I have been doing for the last 14 years. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't speak well enough. You can't handle a group. You're not a good leader. You name it, and I went through it. And I finally had to stand up one day and go, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. The devil kept me going in circles, and I stood up one day and said this, I'm exhausted. I've been trying to do this myself. I obviously have no good at it. I have no value. I have no purpose. And we feel exhausted. Or maybe you say this. Maybe you would say it this way. I'm burned out. I'm just, I'm done. Well, see, I'm convinced of something. And this is what brought me some freedom because I realized this. Burnout doesn't come from doing too much. Yes, you can work 60, 70, 80 hours a week and, and it burns you out. But I'm convinced of this, that burnout comes from doing too much that doesn't matter. It's, come, it's doing too much, I'll give you my honest opinion, it's doing too much that's not eternal. We do stuff for here and we're not getting people saved, but I'm going to tell you what, the first time you have worked 60, 70 hours a week and you come to church and you bring somebody with you and they sit beside you and at the end of service, I say, bow your head, close your eyes and, you're, and say, who wants to meet Jesus? You know, I give my life to Jesus and your friend raises their hand. You ain't worried about working 60 or 70 hours a week. Because you just made an eternal move. You just helped them make an eternal move. So I feel stuck. I feel burned out. So if you find yourself feeling stuck, no value, exhausted, then we need to answer some questions. How did I get here? How did I get myself in a place where I feel stuck, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm burned out, I'm trying to do it, nothing works. For some of you, this may be a new venture. You walked in for the first time and like, wow, cool building, lights, a little haze machine going on. Okay. And it's new to you. Some of you are walking in and go, yeah, I, I knew Jesus five, six years ago. I've walked away from him. Why did you walk away? Was it hurt? Was it church hurt? Was it, you know, what reason did you, did, what did you put in God's place? Then the next question we got to ask is not how do I get here, but how do I get out? Because I'm assuming if you're here, if you're watching online, you say, I need to get out of this. Well, to answer that question, you first need to know this. It's easy, and it stands, again, it stands alone, that you need to know God, and you cannot earn it. 
I had them put it on the screen because I wanted you to see it. You can't say it with me. You can not. You can. One more time, all together. You can. Does anybody have any doubt about what I'm trying to communicate? You can't earn it. You can't do enough. You can't. You can't be the perfect student. You can't be the perfect teenager. You can't do it. The Bible says you can't earn it. You can't add anything to it. God made it very simple. In the book of James, in James chapter 4, he tells us, listen, come close to God, and God does what? Comes close to you. He says, wash your hands. In other words, let me get the stink off of you. And then he said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to heal your heart because you can't live your life divided between what the world tells you to do and what I need you to do. He makes it simple. It translates this way. God, I'm sorry. We would use this word. The word is, I repent. Repent is not a dirty word. Repent is not, most of us will think even this some big evangelistic word. Why? Because we, we've seen the guy on the corner in town, or if you, there was, I've told you before, the colleges I went to, there was a guy, there's always one guy on a college that stands in the, stands on the, in the quad or wherever your gathering area is, and he stands on the bench and he's dressed in a, like a 1970s suit and tie, and he's screaming at people, you're all sinners, you're all going to hell, you need to repent, and they scream and point fingers at you. And most of the time in colleges, the students just like, they're giving him the middle finger of love, right? I, I had a friend in school that, that was their fun, their, the college kids would go and listen to this guy scream and do that. And they would, he was too, he was so not into what he was doing, he was not even paying attention that they were really mocking him. So he would say, repent, and they would, and uh, he, they would yell back at him, and he'd say, repent, and they, would just, and they weren't participating. They were mocking him. But we've made repent into be this, like it's something horrible. Repent is simply this. God, I was doing this, and with the best of my ability, I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do it differently. The Bible says this in Acts 3. Now repent of your sins and turn to God. Because here's what some of you may need to know, and this may help you. This helps me every morning. As you've turned away from God and we walk on away, God stays right behind you. He's walking. He's like, come on, we need to go this way. Come on, we need, hey, hey, come on, go this way. But a lot of us feel like I've been walking away from God that when I can't turn around to him because when I turn around, he's going to be 10 years behind me. No, the Bible says he's right behind you. Matter of fact, it says in another part of the New Testament that he's so close that he's knocking on the door. Now, I don't know about you, but unless you got some ridiculously long, freakishly long arms to be knocking on my door, you got to be what? On my porch. And a lot of us are walking and God's behind us going, hey, come on, hey, I know, I know you want to do that, but it's not going to be good for you. You need to repent, change directions. Let me say this too. Repentance does not mean beating yourself up. There are some groups, and there's these radical groups, really. They claim to be Christians, but they, they're teaching people. You need to torment yourself and beat yourself up and crawl to the altar and, and suffer. And then God will say, okay, 
That's not what the Bible says. It says, God, I repent. I'm wrong. So it's I repent, and then it's this. God, I surrender. How do you get out of the place you're in, where you find yourself? How do, the Bible says, I, I repent, and then God, I surrender. Now I'm going to ask you a tricky question. You're watching a, a war movie. You have two sides. If one side steps out and does this, what does that mean? I'm out. I give up. To put it in our modern terms, we'll talk a little ultimate fighting MMA. The devil's got you all tied up in knots and pinned to the floor. You go, what does that mean? The ref of life, God goes, no, we're done. I'm going to free you from that position. A lot of us are living that way. All you have to do is go, I'm out. See, the problem is, Surrender is letting go of what we probably already know is destructive, right? A lot of us are living our lives and doing things. I'm telling you, me included. You can take it from the most, the biggest obvious thing, you know, drugs and alcohol and very self-damaging stuff to something else of just, I eat too much, I drink too much, I don't get enough sleep, I drink too much, whatever it is, you can magnify it till it's a problem and it becomes destructive. And surrender is just going, God, I repent, and now I'm going to surrender this to you because I've been trying to fix my life with this drug or I've been trying to fix my life with all these relationships, and it's just destructive. There are a lot of people carrying a lot of baggage and they're towing relationships behind them they were never meant to be in, never meant to be a part of them. And you know it's destruction. You know it's bad for you, but you won't let it go. And here's the thing. God's not going to force you. He's not going to come yank it out of your hands. If you've been here for years, you've heard me tell this story. It's, I'll tell it again. And Mabel, sorry, you're sitting, she's sitting on the front row this morning. When Mabel was little, maybe one or two, um, I was left at home keeping my kids. You can't babysit your own kids, guys. I was at home with the girls. And like normal, it got quiet. And I was probably watching football or something Saturday and it got quiet, and I thought, I haven't heard Mabel. And so I went into the kitchen, and as I walked into the kitchen, Mabel had a, a knife about that long by the blade. And my heart sank. And then I realized, I don't know what to do. I can't yank it out of her hand. What's that going to do? I don't want to go, ah, and scream at her, because since she's going to tense up and grab a very sharp knife... And like all good parenting, the thing that solves every situation, Skittles. We were probably potty training or something at the time. I thought, Skittles, she'll do anything for Skittles. And so this is a picture of what I think God does with us. He's like, Mabel, I'm going to give you these Skittles, but I'll trade you for that thing that's going to hurt you. And then we, Mabel was like, yeah. And she laid it down and took the Skittles. But see, our image of God is it very much, Mabel, give me the knife. See, I told you. I told you not to pick it up because look what it did. Now your hand's bleeding. Now you're cut. Now you're damaged. I told you not to sleep with that person. I told you not to do this. I told you not to smoke the dope. I told you not to do. I told you. And they yank it away. And we end up wounded. See, that's not what God says he does. 
The Bible says that he, he offers us, well, you need something perfect and you're not. So I'm going to give you my son that's perfect if you'll just let that go. And that's, that's surrender. The Bible says this. I love the way this reads. This is out of the message Bible, which is, if you don't know, it's a paraphrase. It's not a, it's a, the guy wrote it so his family could read it. But I love the way he, he wrote this. He said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. And I think this verse written this way matters to me because Melanie and I have been married for 24 years. And if I really counted, I could, other than when I got my wisdom teeth out and I was too doped up to drive, it's hard to tell you the number of times that we rode somewhere together and she drives. Because I, I drive. I want to be in control. I can't, every when she has, when she does drive, I'm stomping on the fake gas and brake. Like, you need to go faster, you need to slow. Hey, put on, I just, and that's the way I have to not live my life. I'm not in the driver's seat. Look what it goes on to say in verse 35. It says, follow me and I'll show you how what you think you're doing is helping. It's not. But self-sacrifice, in other words, surrendering is the way. My way to save you. My way so that I can take what you need to get rid of and take it from you and give you the ability to know me so that you can find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Ushers, you guys can do your thing. The last one, and we'll close with this. You're exhausted. You're tired. You say, God, I, I, I surrender my life. God, I repent. And then I'm going to ask you to do this. Then you're going to have to say, God, I commit. I'm in. I had somebody ask me when I said, what do you mean commit? I don't know how to, do, how to make it any more clearer than this. You go out to the Scriven County Airport. There's the guys that do the parachute. That you can go skydiving, right? So you can get a parachute on. You can talk to the guys. They'll get you all hyped up and jazzed up. They'll strap you in and put you, hook you to somebody who's jumped thousands of times. They'll put you in the airplane. They'll take off. They'll climb to 10, 12, they'll go way up, thousands of feet in the air. And then they open the door. Then they slide you to the side. They hang your feet over the side. And up until that point, you're not committed. There's only a one time in this whole process that you paid to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. There's only one time that you're committed. When is that? When he says, we're gone. And he leans out the door. If you were jumping by yourself, you would have to put yourself out there. And a lot of Christians, we put ourselves in church. We come every Sunday. We put on the parachute. We ride the airplane. We get up in the air. But you hadn't jumped out of the airplane yet. And that's why we do this. You see, that you can say this. I'm committed because God gave his all in Jesus. And he's asking nothing less of me. He jumped, said, I'm in. So I repent, I surrender, and then God, I'm in. Because I don't care how, what kind of parachute you have, how good you think you are. Once you jump out of the airplane, you ain't getting back in that airplane. 
And that's the way God says, listen, just jump. Give up the thing. I'll give you your Skittles. I'll take stuff away from you. And that's what we do here at Believers. People say, well, why do you every Sunday? We never quit without offering people a chance to know Jesus. Why? Because he gave me his best. He gave you his best. And if you're wanting, thinking about maybe coming in September to to do the One Step Connect and you want to make this place your home, you need to know this. A Believer's Church is a place where we get excited about a room full of people who don't know God. So if you want to come to a church where everybody, everybody smells good, it's not going to be here. If you want to come to a church where everybody has, got, has the appearance of having their act together, go somewhere else, but just know they're all lying to you. There's a lot of good churches in town, and we can help you find one if this is not your fit. I'm not saying where everybody's fit, but we, you need to know that we're a place so that I get excited when I see people. I've said this before, and if you don't know this, on the people ask me, why are all the magnets on the doors? You know what those magnets are? Take one. They're free. Take them. It says, I pray for, and it lets you put a name in because there's people that I need to pray for that don't know God that need to know God. And we're going to get to know, we're going to help them know him. We call it being a lifesaver. And I've been doing it for seven, eight years. Several of my lifesavers are here today. There's a couple that they're still out there, but they need to know God. They need to find freedom. Some have come and gotten on the airplane. Some won't even come to the airport. Some won't even talk about going to the airport. But I keep giving it to them. And just, and I'm not, I'm not repent, repent, repent. I was like, hey man, come hang out with me. I can't change you, but let's see what God does. Hey, come out. You like music? I like music. We play it too loud and we sing off key. Come sing with us. Come hang out with us. We do snow cones at church. Who does snow cones at church? We do. Why? Because it's fun. And we leave people wanting more. We leave people saying, I, I, can, I can be a part of it. They didn't judge me. They didn't hate me. They didn't tell me I smell funny. They didn't tell me I look funny. They just said, you know, come try it. So bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Again, we never leave without offering people a chance to know God, to meet Jesus. And I'll offer you two things. If you've never met Jesus before, the Bible says that you repent, confess, and believe. I repent, God, for what I'm done. I confess it in my mouth, and I believe it in my heart that Jesus came for me. And then the, re- the other side is, Maybe you were in church and you got away from church and you just got, I need to repent and come home. Then you can do that today. And it's simply a prayer like this. And I'm going to ask, I'm not going to call you the front. I'm just going to ask you to wave at me real quick if this is you. And you say, Clint, that's, that's me. And I'll include you in the prayer. But you say, Clint, I need, to, I need to know God. I need to come home for the first time or I need to come home because I left. If that's you this morning, just wave at me. If you're online, send us a note. I'm not going to call anybody out. All right, and let's all pray this together. Pray, as a bunch of hands went up, we'll just pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. God, I repent for not always getting it right. But today, God, I'm jumping out. I commit to follow you. Thank you, God, for freedom Thank you, God, for purpose. Thank you that I get to be a part 
of making a difference in lives all over this community. In Jesus' name. And everybody said,